Yo, what's good, everybody? This is the weekly stand-up. Welcome to another episode, another check-in where we talk about anything Asian, and you still have your favorite Asian hosts. We got our boy Pao on the line. Hello, hello, hello. And this is your girl Mika. So, how have you been, Pao? Yes, I've been.、Um... Actually, one interesting thing that I I, I actually stopped watching、uh, what do you call this? I stopped watching K dramas for a bit. Oh, like uh, like more than a month now. But then、oh. I recently I recently started again. Ah,、uh, what what have you just, been watching? Um, yeah, it's just just like drama called Hello Me. Um, it's on Netflix. I don't know. I, I don't think you.、Mm-hmm. I don't think it's your 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 stressful kind of like drama that you would want to watch, Mika. Okay. Um, it's just it's just like a <laughs> normal kind of like. Um, slice of life,、um, family. I mean, the 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 premise is kind of weird.、Ah, um, gotcha. But it is it is nothing. To, it's nothing like、mm. penthouse. Yeah. What 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 have you been、uh, following, Mika?、Recently? Yeah. Um. Got seven individually has a lot of content, so I'm just trying to keep up.、Uh, and I'm watching a Chinese drama right now called You Are My Hero. I'm pretty slow,、uh, but yeah. Should be over. Sounds like you want it to be over. The next two weeks. <laughs> I mean, it's done. It's done. the 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 drama's done. It's me who's like trying to right, finish right, all right. the episodes. How, how、yeah. good is it compared to the one that you you talked about? Like, I think this is more of my genre. It's not super stressful, but it gives me Descendants of the Sun vibes, but in Chinese. A、oh, okay.、Bit. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Speaking of dramas.、Yeah. We are not going to be talking about a drama today. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. But we are up for a very interesting discussion today,、um, and we have another guest.、Yes. Um, so, Pao, do you would you care to introduce who our special guest is for yeah, today? Yeah. So I don't know if the listeners will notice、um, anything different about my voice.、Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ungodly hour once again for Mr. Pao.、Um, awake at a another.、Uh, Ungodly hour, <laughs>、uh, for Paul at least. Because that, that means that our guest is in a in a different time zone, just like we had Philip the other time,、um, who was、mm-hmm. in、uh, where was he? Virginia, Connecticut.、Or? Connecticut, okay,、uh, Connecticut. So, yeah, once again, you have you have somebody from the from the states, a totally different time zone, joining us.、Um, and for the first time, actually, our guest today is someone、um, we don't really know as much as. As as we do the previous、yeah. guests,、um, and incidentally, I I only met met our guest today、um, less than a month ago,、um, oh. and it was through a, a mentorship program that I that I joined. So this is my second time joining the mentorship program. It's by、um, ASIS, which stands for、uh, Asia Pacific Student Entrepreneurship Society, and it's a、uh, it's an organization based in Stanford. And, so who's、um, a scholar for yeah, today? Yeah, no, no, no. I I think we 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 definitely have like a pretty unique to to use your term, Mika scholar. <laughs> Yeah, in, on the call today, she's a student at Stanford.、Um, if that wasn't clear enough already,、um, and she's a、uh, take,、uh, she's taking up、uh, computer science and English. Cool.、Uh, but you know,、um, I think this year, for for many obvious reasons,、uh, she's taking a gap year, and、um, yeah, I think she's gonna tell us also what she's been doing in in, in this in this gap year. What's been interesting her?、Um, so without further ado, yeah, let's welcome Catherine to the show. Hey, Catherine. Hey, Catherine. Hi, guys. Hi, Paulo. Hi, Mika. Yeah. So.、Um, I just mentioned you've been on a gap year. So what have you been、uh, busy with?、Recently? Ooh, honestly, just been kind of doing a bunch of random things, including also watching K dramas,、mm. watching a lot of K dramas,、um, and reading, and writing, and resting, and learning a bit about crypto. It's a bunch of random things. Yeah, not something that's hugely structured.、Um, I worked、mm-hmm. for the first half of the gap year. And then now it's like my second half, and I'm kind of taking that off to do the yeah, other. Yeah, a lot of a lot、things. of self care.、Uh, yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. I was like, truly a theme. Right, right, right. <laughs>、uh, yeah, we we thought about self care a lot before、uh, these episodes, <laughs> and it's great to see you're you're maximizing the gap year to just you know do things that you, I don't know, enjoy enjoy and and you know find interesting randomly here and、yeah. there. Um, yeah, you mentioned you you watching K dramas. What 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 K dramas are you watching? So I recently finished Reply nineteen eighty eight. I don't know if you have you guys Ooh, heard、yeah. of the Reply、nice、series.、Yeah. I've heard. Yeah, yeah. So that I thought that was amazing because I feel like compared to other types of TV shows, like I think it just portrayed yeah life so well, like just ordinary everyday living.、Right. 
Um, I also watched Itaewon class, which is like a murder. It's like a, oh, mur- it's like about somebody who gets murdered. And mur- then yeah, yeah. Kind of revenge uh, plot. That actually, happens. murder isn't the first word that comes to mind when I think about Itaewon class. But uh, yeah, that's, a, that's nice another way to put it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Much more, uh, I guess, convincing way to get yeah, people to watch exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I would have gone with the boring description about like, oh, it's like related to like you know setting up business, yeah, safe, and... like the entrepreneurial <laughs> side. But no, if uh, I listened to like, if I hadn't watched it one class and I heard that whole like spiel that Catherine gave, I would watch it more than what Pao <laughs> probably would have. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's a, Fair. Yeah, mine's the mine's the boring. Uh, a summary but yeah you mentioned also reply 1988 which i think was um and 1997 and uh, i've a, never watched the reply series but i heard it's a good slice of life yeah i think like, it was i was gonna say it was pretty i'd say it's pretty innovative for mm-hmm. its time and the kind of format it was in um yeah, it was more character driven and, and it sort of made you really invested in, in these people like some like it almost made you feel like these are people that you know from across the street uh. or you know, people that you would meet in, in sort of daily life, even if you weren't living at that time or, or in that place. Mm. Um, yeah, another thing I, I, I didn't mention about Catherine in the intro was that you've also, um, you mentioned you write, but you've also published oh, no, some no, no. Of- I, I haven't I haven't really published anything significant, really. I, I've self-published one book, but it's it's like more of a guide and like it's like a nonfiction piece. Um, Damn. But yeah, most of the stuff I work on these days is is like, in the fiction world. Um, I had, I wrote a book when I was in like, it, it started when I was like in seventh grade and I took, it took like many years to finish. I finished it in like maybe my junior year of high school. I never mm. published it. It's just sitting, I guess it's published on my computer. It's just sitting on my mm. computer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I never did. And I think at that time, like I, I was pretty young back then and I was like, this is horrible like nobody would ever want to read it and in some ways like that was that was really true like you know like it wasn't that great but also on the other hand like I feel like very very young people might enjoy it but at that time I was like I'm not secure enough to publish this like I I feel like it takes a certain confidence to publish would you would you you revisit it no would you revisit it like write like edit it a bit (laughs) okay no I feel like so I guess it's just gonna stay on your computer for the rest of time (laughs) yeah I feel like as time passes like the things that I'm interested in writing about and my writing style just changes completely to a point where like you read what you wrote in the past and you just feel embarrassed. Same with my poetry. Same. <laughs> poetry. That's so no. <laughs> Maybe next time. But I feel you. Like I look at the old stuff that I've written and I'm like, what was I thinking? Like what? But, yeah. if it, but it reminds me of that point in time, right? Like, and then you see how much you've grown, and you're like. Yeah, I'm a better writer now, thanks to all the experiences yeah, exactly. that we've had yeah. in yeah, that period. Yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned to Catherine uh, when you when you first uh, in our first call that, um, yeah, I also wrote a book when I was pretty young. Um, yeah, like guys, I'm sorry, I never included that in the intro ever on this podcast. I'm so sorry, but now we're revealing. The more scholarly <laughs> side of our uh, <laughs> very I, own pal. It, it, it's far removed from from whatever scholarly means in that context. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just wrote like because I think at the time I was I was reading a lot of uh, Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, kind of like books, um, and then I was like, oh, I want to write something that's like similar to that. Um, and then actually, recently, a few a few weeks ago, I actually found it. I I, I printed the. The, the whole book actually and, oh, I, and I found a I found it's it a copy printed. wow <laughs> um and I and I think I was actually uh, I actually left it in a state where I was in the midst of editing it so in, in the paper I could I could see like markings there like oh re- re- remove cool. this paragraph remove this like you know <laughs> it was really funny oh um, my god but reading it yeah. now like it, it totally doesn't make it doesn't make any sense I couldn't even <laughs> follow the story properly it's like what is like all of a sudden characters appear and people die and like i, I, I would want to read this yeah please do a dramatic reading on one episode i guess if I, if I if i had like you know like free time like i i, I probably would just like revisit it and see what i can salvage from it uh for fun cool um but yeah i, I guess we all have experience in terms of 
looking back at things that we've written and yeah. like uh, maybe not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, but but you mentioned you're 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 you you spent the Catherine you've spent the gap year writing as well. Is is there anything um, you want to share about that? Um, nothing too exciting. I I was working on like a couple of short stories, um, and then also kind of simultaneously working on a novel that I started. It's not scholarly at all. It is the most like <laughs> it, it's in the young adult category, so definitely not like anything like stunning um but yeah I, I kind of like what we talked about in reply what I really liked about it was just seeing like everyday life and I think that's what I really wanted to do just with regards to like mm. a teenager just going through everyday life and I feel like as a teenager you experience things like so deeply um in a way that like you know embarrassment and like shame and all these emotions like happiness in ways that like you don't necessarily experience when you're older and I think now that I'm 20, I want to capture that and I want to like honor it before, you know, I'm older, right, before right. like I because, can't write like that yeah. anymore just because I'm older. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask also like, who are your like writing influences? One author that I really like is Ocean Vuong. Yes. Um, he's a Vietnamese American poet slash novelist. And he recently published a book called On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous. Yes. And it's... <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, you know this book, Mika. <laughs> I, I I didn't, so okay. Interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it's just it's a stunning book. It, like it's so beautiful. And he also has like a lot of other short pieces that he published on various magazines that are just like so beautiful. And I feel like it was one of the first times that I encountered an author, like an Asian American author, that I could really relate to. When I was in high school, mm -hmm. I thought I really did not like English. Like I genuinely thought that I didn't like to read. I didn't like. And here you are taking. English. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, I feel like this is one of the. Yeah. It's just one of the things about like just growing up in in you know being Asian in the American school system. Like you feel like you don't resonate with a lot of the works that out, that are out there, um, but then you come across like one author that you you know you truly truly love their work. And how, how did you how did you come across um, Ocean View? Uh, Actually. I took a creative writing class um, that was taught by an Asian American writer. Um, his name was Trim Ray Lee, mm. and I actually read one of his books. Um, so that's why I decided to take his class. And it was like an Asian American autobiography class. And I took this my freshman year. And at first I was like, this is so weird. Like, why am I taking like a class that's just focused on like Asian American autobiography? Because I hadn't really encountered anything like that before. Everything was like, um, like the western canon of like american authors um so i was like well i'll just take this class because it's taught by some famous author and i'll just i'll just see what happens and i didn't really expect much out of it but yeah the biggest takeaway was ocean Wong and, and reading his work and later on like watching his interviews and just the way that he approaches the writing process was something that was really inspiring mm -hmm. to me yeah could you tell us a bit more about that, that that sort of writing process um that that you found so interesting yeah i feel like in like i feel like a lot of the writing industry is a lot about like you know commercialization slash like the capitalistic nature of the writing process where like you know this there's this whole like publishing industry that's trying to like you know money out of publishing people's work and sometimes it feels a lot less it feels more like a business than it does like an art and I think you know listening to Ocean Vuong he is like very cognizant of this fact and I feel like a lot of writers because of this like urge to produce is like you know write a thousand words every single day like it's something that like uh, Stephen King talks about a lot and other like famous authors are like write a certain amount every single day you cannot like leave the table unless you have written a certain amount and it's a lot about like these rules that you have to follow or else you're not a writer and I just thought for the longest time that like if I didn't write every day if I didn't write a certain amount every day if I wasn't interested in these genres then I wasn't a real writer um, but I think Ocean Wong mm. you know kind of brought it back to like no that doesn't mean that you're not a writer and actually writing a lot of time is thinking and it's actually those moments that you're out there living life and thinking about life that you're doing the writing and that when you sit down to write that that is only a small portion of what it actually means to be a writer and 
because he's a professor, like one thing that he encourages his students, like when they come up with the idea for like a poem, he actually says, you know, don't write that down right away. You know, take a week to like think about it. Think about like the ideas that you want to create and and how they interact with your daily life, and then and then write it. And so writing becomes more of like a meditative act and something that has a lot of thought and art into it, rather than something that you force yourself to do. And I thought yeah, that was that's really that's really beautiful. And I, and I think that applies to I think that applies to not just writing but like a lot of I guess art like anything yeah like creative right art anything in general r- just like process of creation yeah 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 um, and I think like Mika maybe you might be able to relate this as exactly, yeah. somebody who like produces your own like tries yeah. to produce your own music right yeah like I agree the whole like thinking process like because I noticed like before oh. I also had that mentality like I need to write right away but yeah I noticed like recently it's been i have an idea and i think about it for a while and then usually i would be like i have to finish it within x amount of time right and now i'm like i've revisited songs that i started writing like back in college Mm -hmm. the memory is so poignant that i'm like i remember exactly what i was feeling at that point in time and i can go back to it and then continue writing and yeah so now unfinished songs and poetry and like pieces I'm not, I don't feel too bad mm-hmm. about them anymore because, yeah, you really have to think about it. Yeah. I agree. And I really liked how Catherine put yeah. it. I, I feel very validated. <laughs> <laughs> Scholar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Validated not just by Catherine, but also uh, <laughs> by, by Ocean. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Ocean Wong. I also wanted to mention that I think as somebody who writes for a living, uh, I think I also definitely relate to that. And yeah, one thing, one thing yeah. I realized like doing this... Um, I guess in a very, um, you know, sort of like capitalistic kind of way of like churning stuff all the time, um, is that like probably like ninety percent of of what I do is actually just thinking, and actually reading reading other things, and and trying and exactly. observing other things and, yes. and then like thinking about it before actually Agreed. even writing anything about it, um, and so. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely relate to that. Even even from like a work perspective. Um, yeah, and speaking of work, how has sort of your experience with Ocean and maybe like other Asian American authors sort of influenced how you wanna, I guess, pursue? Do you wanna? Do you see yourself pursuing writing like in the long term, even if it isn't like a full time career thing, but just in the long term, like do you see yourself like writing more books as you as you get? Yeah, older? that's mm-hmm. definitely something I I want to keep in my life. Um, you know, you never know like what happens like thirty mm-hmm. years from now and like how your interests like change. Um, but sure, I think sure. for me, just the mm-hmm. arts of like creating, you know, whatever medium that takes in, you know, maybe that's like writing novels or short stories or like creating a film or like having a podcast, you know, like whatever form that is. I just think there's something so beautiful about, <laughs> right, right, yeah, you know, creating things and not and not just like consuming all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and, and then yes. speaking of creating things, um, yeah, it's interesting because you're you're thinking English, but you're also thinking computer science, which is computer science is really your your major, right? It's not a double major thing. Um. Okay. The truth is. Um, or is this more it, complicated, it's more complicated than, than, just, than that? Yeah. <laughs> just, I just to... I, I'm at this <laughs> right, right, right. I'm yeah. Like, technically, I'm kind of <laughs> currently doing both, and I'm at this like decision fork in the road yeah. where I choose one, or I do both. Mm. or I decide to like self-design my own major where I combine the two and I haven't decided which path to take yeah yeah I, I wanted to ask actually like because it's interesting like you talk about writing and 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 comsci to an extent is is also I guess at least the the programming part of it is also I would say like an act of creation um, yeah definitely uh, although different different rules I would say and so, like, where where did where does that where did your interest in that come yeah, from? Yeah, I guess it was also related. You're exactly right to like the idea of creation. Like when I was in middle school, I was really obsessed with like creating video games, and so I would like even like when my family like went on a trip or something, I would like literally just be like, I need to finish my video game, and so I think I, yeah, I just spent a lot of time like creating like not even like very complicated video games. It was just simple stuff like kind of like a rendition of Flappy Bird and like oh. Tetris and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I had those on my computer. Um, and I think that that's where it started. And I think I just, when I got to high school, it kind of became more about like 
not video games, but just like being able to create anything that I wanted. Like if I had, I think it was sort of like the entrepreneurial mindset of like, you know, if I had an idea for like an app or something that I would have mm-hmm. the bandwidth right. and the ability to be able to create yeah, that. Yeah. What's the, I guess, what's the craziest thing that you've sort of programmed? A search engine. Um, yeah, so it was actually, it was like a research project that I did um, at the University of Iowa, just like a random place to be. But yeah, it was like a project that I did there. And um, the project was actually to like, uh, to like optimize, to better optimize search engine, search engine results. And um, part of that process of doing that research of like optimization, like involved me just creating my own search engine. And so it was like specifically for the University of Iowa's website. And so you can kind of like go to any link that was in their domain and like have a search engine for that. But technically it could apply to anything. Like I could run the same code for any domain um, that I wanted to and it, it would, it would be, it would work. So I think that was pretty crazy. I feel like it's one of those things where like, I can't believe I really did it because in my head, it, it seems like really hard um, and I did it from scratch, but, and I feel like I, I can't do it now, but unless I tried really hard, I have to like really, really try. <laughs> yeah, like, so so we've, we've talked about like computer science, we talked about writing. Are there any other like thing? And, and you mentioned the gap year just being like a, a moment for you to try and explore things. What are the other interesting things that you've explored so far in the past? a few months that you've been on your gap year yeah I think that one other major thing is like just kind of getting myself involved in like cryptocurrencies so cryptocurrency usually goes in cycles where like every four years there's this one year where like prices of like cryptocurrencies just soar and then like the next year following that it just immediately crashes um and people don't know if like the four-year cycle theory will like still remain but up to now it's kind of been held and so the year 2021 mm-hmm. was going to be that next four-year cycle um that year and so that's why i've kind of since the beginning of the year um just learning more about like the the cryptocurrency community and and world as a whole so that has just been really fun to learn about interestingly enough like i when i was um interning in a marketing agency in korea like a bunch of our clients were actually well i wouldn't I wouldn't say just purely cryptocurrency, but more on just generally like DLT, like distributed ledger technology. So like mm-hmm. blockchain, all those words plus chain, right? <laughs> any, any, yeah, yeah. Any, any name plus chain, yeah, yeah. All, 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 all the whole the whole gamut of of um, of chains that you can think of. Like we we were doing like marketing stuff for them. And <laughs> Everything like, chain, honestly, right? yeah. So, like it was just in the middle of a whole boom. Like especially in Korea, like everybody was uh, crazy about it. There were like these huge events and like really expensive events too like i got to go to like this like five-star hotel in korea like the shilla shilla hotel um because they were just spending so much money around like these these companies and these things and then like as soon as my internship ended like when i went back to the philippines like (laughs) like the the price of bitcoin like crashed like super hard and then like i think the the agency where i work for like like a lot of people had to leave um the company and then they downsized and yeah. yeah so it was it was pretty i don't know it's like looking back it was like perfect timing like i was there just for the just for the party <laughs> and then when, when everybody was sobering up it's like bye <laughs> <laughs> thanks thanks for the fun um, I, I just had a conversation with uh, with somebody who, who actually wrote a book about sort of how people are using these like digital like tokenized assets for like buying property in china uh, specifically and oh wow you know, it's interesting because like you you know like um coinbase this this uh it's like an app where you can trade like cryptocurrencies and all that um recently ipo'd right mm-hmm. and, and the u.s stock exchange and then it's interesting because like you have a lot of americans for example people in the west uh, who are interested in investing in cryptocurrencies but then the government itself is not super too it's not too keen or like institutions like um uh, you know, like JP and and all these guys, like the big funds, they're not too interested in crypto. Um, but then when you go to China, it's like it's very government first. It's like PBOC is like the first government to ever like release like a digital currency of their own. And then you have a lot of these things where we're um, it, it's becoming mm. more and more integrated. Where it's not just like payments 
which the the guy that I talked to recently said was like super basic application of of crypto. It's not even it's it's probably if you did an iceberg, it's probably just like at the top of things. And like the real applications are in like you know buying property, buying more like um, physical assets um, with cryptocurrency. Um, I have I haven't read about that that article you mentioned about like buying like houses. Um, oh, it's a China. it's a book. It's it's a book. But, oh, a um, book. Yeah, wow. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that sounds that sounds super cool. But yeah, I think the one thing that you mentioned about like the US not being like super encouraging of crypto, like I definitely feel that a lot. Like a lot of the like, there's a lot of things like as a US citizen that I can't do um, that like people in other countries can do that I've like personally yeah. found. Like for example, oh, interesting. you know how like in we have like IPO, like initial public offering, they have the same thing. Right. in crypto like ICO. initial ICO, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. ICL, like initial coin offering yeah and a lot of those like as u.s citizens we're not allowed to get to, because of like kyc or know your customer rules um and so yeah that's like one example and there's a lot of exchanges like binance right. is like a really big crypto exchange um but they have a specific binance.us crypto exchange that has a lot less tokens that you can trade simply because um, of regulations that we're not allowed to trade these other um there's a lot more regulations surrounding like trading other tokens. That was so interesting to me because I usually hear the reverse, right? Like the US is like, you know, you get a lot more access. So like to hear that was very... Yeah, I I definitely think like you have this like cycle of of, um, trying to like co-op technology like as soon as, you know, they they see it works. Um, um, Yeah, I I, I don't know given the whole like US-China tensions thing, whether or not (laughs) <laughs> that might convince them to actually change their mind about this whole race, quote unquote. Um, because um, yeah, if 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 you ask people who have who have been through like Cold War, they they'll probably tell you that um, that's sort of how it started, right? Like the whole space race. I mean, the the U.S. wasn't the they weren't the first people to to get out into space, but then they saw that you know their their quote unquote enemies did it, so. They had to do it as well. Um, yeah, <laughs> isn't that just life? You know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Keep your friends close and and copy your enemies. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like people think that like the U.S. is so cool and everything, but I I think like all these other countries like they're like so cool too, and that makes me want to like go to these other countries to to like travel and to like live because I I just see so much culture and I see so much energy. And and just so many cool things happening, and so I don't know if it's really possible, but like I feel like Japan would be really cool, just because I love Japanese food, and I just feel like that'd be like a cool place to live. I feel like I definitely would stay in the U.S. like long term. Um, when I mean like live in other places, maybe for like a span of like three months, three to five months or something, just to right, right, right. So like. What, yeah. what 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 Japanese food in particular? I love sashimi. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's actually my go-to in, in like buffets. Even if I don't eat anything else, it's just the sashimi. Because <laughs> I mean, like sa- sashimi is like pretty expensive. Yeah, it is. Like if it's not at a buffet. Exactly. One interesting yeah. thing about sashimi is um, before I used to, so I, I put the wasabi in the soy sauce and I mix it, and then you dip the the sashimi in right and then eat. But then I realized there's actually like a proper way of doing it. Oh really? I don't know if you guys know. Really? No. Uh, no, actually, I actually, I'm, I'm not sure if that's the if there's a, if what I'm thinking is the proper way. But I was told that what I did, that like the dipping thing, was not the right way. Uh, uh, I, I think it, it, culture. It, it might have involved something like not dipping the wasabi in, but like leave. I think you dip it in the soy sauce first, and then you put the wasabi on top of the sashimi. And then eat it. This is like the whole how you eat how do you eat a xiaolong pao? Oh, I, I totally yeah. like the same about, yeah. Yeah, do you, vibe. Do you break I'm do you break yeah. the xiaolong pao or do you eat it in, in one yeah. in one yeah gulp or, or what? Yeah, I, yeah, okay, yeah. if I'm not lazy and I really want to like try to like make sure I have the soup, like I always put like a spoon. Like you you like you're supposed to. Like, I, I don't know if you're supposed to do, but the way my mom taught me is like you break it like or you put it on the spoon, you eat it there. Or you like you break it on the spoon so you have like the soup and the the thing on top um yeah so that that's how i've been and, and i think like um barring any any you know covid i think like Catherine and i talked about this in our first call as well about sort of going traveling a lot traveling going abroad and experiencing new things and you talked about japan also um a bit 
like what are the i guess are there any other like places that you want to visit um korea Uh, definitely one of them yeah i miss korea so much i was was probably fishing (laughs) for that answer also but (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah. great great answer (laughs) yeah i mean any particular reason why honestly because most of my friends are korean so i feel like oh interesting natural a natural place to go i feel like also a lot of my friends are really into k-pop and so that's just like a natural Mm. place to go for like a k-pop are you a k-pop fan i i like only know like two bands or like two groups um and i only know them through other people and so i kind of just watch with them so i'm not i wouldn't say i'm like a huge huge fan what are these groups <laughs> like the two most famous groups yeah yeah, yeah. Ever. Sure, sure. you, you can yeah. probably BTS. guess it yes bts and blackpink oh BTS actually blackpink, right? not yeah. okay try it but not blackpink there's like a very another girl group that's like yes <laughs> yeah cool Oh, why the why the long face? <laughs> there's, there's like a no no no. no. I, I I was thinking like there's 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 like a list of groups that you know um like a list of groups that Expect people them. are likely to know even if they're not K-pop. Yeah 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 yeah. I it's it might BTS, Blackpink, Twice, EXO. EXO, right right right. Especially for the yeah the yeah. older fans. Yeah yeah yeah. And actually with, with K-pop, what's interesting nowadays is that you have a lot of with how popular it has become in, in sort of everywhere US I, I don't want to say US but because like the whole because what I'm really referring to is sort of like the what's the right word like traditional or like western pop culture kind of like hegemony like you know with, with Hollywood and all of that stuff right I don't know the right term but um, like there's always been this um, struggle for like Korean entertainment companies to break into the scene in, in that scene in particular and because it became so popular in the U.S. and in Europe, for example, like like Korean entertainment companies are actually now like you know acquiring yeah. Um, yeah local like U.S. labels, for example, like I think the label that Justin Bieber and his wife are in got bought yeah. by Big Hit. Uh, so <laughs> so that was interesting. And then you have like um, companies like Eighty Eight Rising. That are bringing artists like Sorry into the, the into the Western like pop scene even more than they are famous in the Korean pop scene, <laughs> which is quite interesting. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like the locals don't know them, but you know foreigners know them a lot. Um, yeah, so that's so you have also that kind of uh, I guess if you can call it immigration of uh, <laughs> export import export of of, of culture. Um, yeah, which is which is even like influenced Catherine's life as well. I'd say. Yeah. Like, with your friends all being K-pop fans, do you find it? I guess I guess like one thing I want to ask is because we haven't we've interviewed a lot of stands, but we haven't interviewed yeah, yeah, yeah. friends so of like, stands who aren't yeah. stands. So what's it like for um, you? Stop, like what yeah. the heck are yeah, these like, people like, raving like, about? Stop, stop like, it, guys! Like, this yeah. Too much. Like what's? Do you have any of those experiences? I feel like initially I did because I just didn't get it at all. Like I had a friend in middle school who had like an EXO like pencil case where like all the members were just like their oh faces were and I. I was just that friend who was like, I, I just, I just don't understand at all. Um, but recently, um, I feel like I've gotten more into it just because now I like see the videos and you can see how like freakishly like talented everybody is, and like how well they can like sing and dance and rap. And I feel like I'm like a sucker for any good music. And so if I find a song that I really, really like, then I'm just like, yeah, um, then I like get into it more. And so yeah, so that's that's interesting. It's nice to know you've you've sort of um, slowly, I guess, slowly dipped your toes. Dipped. <laughs> I mean, it's a great way to start immersing yourself in our very own Asian culture, right? So, I guess on that note, I also wanted to ask you, Catherine, as an Asian American, how in touch are you with your own background and your own culture? I would say like on, on a scale of like one to 10 of how in touch I am with culture, I would probably put it at a very low end, like two. Um, and I think one of the reasons is because when my parents came to the US, they really wanted like their kids, like me and my brother to assimilate as best as we can. And I think that's, you know, one of the sad things about like being asian american is mm. like how much of simulating you kind of have to do and so like one example of this is like my first language was chinese and i spoke it 
school at my until I was about like five or six when uh. I went to school and the teachers were like her English sucks like her English is so much worse than everybody else's English and I think like that scared something my parents they were like we do not want to have a daughter who has an accent we don't want to have a daughter who does not who has the same English as us and so from then on out we only spoke English in the house and I basically lost a lot of my ability to speak and, and do you see I guess you you mentioned it also in our in our first call but yeah I just wanted you to talk about as well like how I guess you're trying to revisit that perhaps yeah one thing that I've been trying to do in this gap year is like learning more languages and so one of those is, is Chinese, Mandarin, and really Same. just trying to <laughs> yeah, become yeah. a slightly better at it. Yeah, should I uh, should I should I step out for a bit and right then now, maybe the two I, of you can can have like no. a short Mandarin dialogue? No. And, uh... I would be embarrassed. I have the strongest American accent when I speak Chinese. Like, I think it's one of those weird things where it's like when other people have an American accent, even if it's like a slight one, I can tell. Like, I immediately I'm like, there they have an accent. But when I speak, like I can barely, I like I know I have an accent, but I can't hear it that well. Only when I listen to like a recording, I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's it's so bad. But I can't fix it, even though I know it's there and I know exactly what it's supposed to sound like. I just I just can't. Any any, <laughs> any tips, Mika, for for Catherine? I I always say the... like I don't know many words, but the pronunciation is something that I've really like tried to master because my dad is really fluent in Chinese mm. so when I was young so I went to a Chinese uh, school so throughout uh, grade school and high school uh, took Chinese um, like my dad was very particular with how I would pronounce but I think consuming a lot of content helps even in regular like when you pick when you yeah, pick up yeah. how they react like Okay, so before, when something would happen at home or in anything, right? If something would fall, I would, like, curse <laughs> in, in, in English. Um, but now, <laughs> it's like, even my parents like, what's going on? Why are you, like, like, reacting in Chinese? And it's really, like, I think just picking up a lot of those little mannerisms as well like consuming a lot of content yeah, yeah. I see, I see. yeah. And, and i think it's pretty interesting because this is also really an act of assimilation but this assimilation is is i guess very intentional on your part right catherine like it's yeah. like compared to the assimilation that you had like um, yeah. yeah and i guess one other thing is you, you there are locals also who have terrible pronunciation anyway just think about that like, <laughs> we're all just learning yeah, yeah, like, i watch chinese shows and they like make fun of like fellow chinese who because you know chinese like we have a lot of dialects so mm. uh, if like the the dialect is not native to them then they have a certain accent as well even between like chinese from china and Taiwan people, they all have different accents. So yeah, it's all learning is fun. Like yes. just just allow yourself to make mistakes. But I guess it's Good. it's extra funny in Chinese because one wrong pronunciation, like the tones, yeah, can mess up the whole thing. Like you can say shui jiao, which is sleep, but then you can say shui jiao, which is like dumpling. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Man. Um I think pronunciation definitely is like, and and that I think applies to any language. Um, you can get away with a lot yeah. as long as you pronounce, as long as you have like an accent or certain pronunciation, right? Even if you don't know a lot of words, yeah. And I and I think like in my experience, yeah, that's that's how I also got away with stuff as well. Like just being able to pronounce things correctly, um, even even just basic things, and then people would think that I'm Korean, and then like I'm not. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Are, are you consuming any like Chinese content Catherine like no I'm not but I made a mental note to email Mika afterwards to ask for some yeah, Chinese for sure. drama recommendations because I I would I I would love yeah to that's actually it. another reason why I invited Catherine <laughs> on the show like because I know Mika is is uh is such a scholar no, when it comes to not uh, a scholar I've just entered this phase of like getting deep into sea ant uh, like Chinese entertainment, so. Well, what, I guess what 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 recommendations do you have for Catherine in terms of like Chinese content to watch, or or like Catherine, what what would you, what would you be interested in in terms of like genre or in terms of like type of content? Yeah, yeah. we, we could yes, have a consultation that, right that, now. That is the question. Um, what would you be interested in? Um, 
I'm kind of open to anything. Well, I, I like, well, I guess like for like K, I like, I know a lot of the K side of a lot of things like Isai One Class and Reply and, and like, I know a lot of K-pop groups. Um, so I guess anything sort of like that, I, I'm not really picky. Actually, a lot um, of K-pop groups have Chinese members. That's actually how I got into K-pop, like Chinese members. Some groups have Chinese subunits as well. I've totally understood this whole world because of the Chinese oh. community in it, honestly. But yeah, I guess my top of mind recommendations, um, Wavy is a Wavy. Chinese subunit of NCT. If oh, you yeah. know the Korean like NCT. They the NCT has so many members that I get confused all the time. So I was like, let me just take like a couple and then wavy. So I was like Chinese. In terms of dramas, if you liked Reply 1988, um, you can try Go Ahead. It's also on Netflix. Okay. This is a Chinese slice of life drama. I didn't finish it, but very slice of okay. life. Yes. My top two go-to for now. Uh, lots more to come when we connect. Definitely. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, like speaking about like we, we just sort of started talking about sort of like the, the immigrant experience and like we touched on it a bit as you were talking about sort of your interests as well. Um, and like recently there was a, the interesting, you know, the, was it, what award did they get? Was it Academy Award? Yeah, it was Academy Award. Um, sort of nominated movie Minari, right? Yeah, which we've which we've all watched, um, and sort of like speaks to a lot of the things that we've just talked, we've just been talking about on the on the show. Um, yeah, so I guess Migo, what did you think of the movie after after watching it? I, I mean, yeah, none I, of us here are Korean. Yeah, American, none of, I was I was about to say so, like yeah. none of us are Korean, but I think the part that really struck me was when. Like the compromise conversation scene, whatever. I don't know. I feel like, um, you know, you, you have all your decisions, like all these big decisions that you have to make that will impact how you're going to like live moving forward. I think that was a very, I don't know, it was an intentional choice, I guess, without giving too much away, right? Like, I think that scene was very intentional. Yeah, for, for me, it was the, I love the scene where, because the whole movie they're talking about not wanting to sleep with each other, uh, like even the, the kid when the grandma was in the room, like she smells like a like yeah a yeah old yeah person. yeah. Like, oh, why do I have to sleep with her? And then the last scene is like they're all sleeping together in in the living room. Um, yeah, so I, I found that really I don't know. It just brought me back to to childhood. Mm, yeah. yeah yeah. What um, about you, Catherine? Without giving too much away, also uh, there is one scene where. Um, essentially the grandma does something she's really ashamed of she was so ashamed of it that she like just wanted to leave involving the young boy and the grandma I thought was really like just such a touching moment yeah and then and then speaking of the movie like Minari like there are a couple of other like interesting movies I mean um, Minari's not on Netflix unfortunately um not yet, at least. And uh, but there, there are other interesting movies about immigration um, that I've that I've been watching recently, like uh, Tiger Tail. I think Mika, yep. I recommended that to you. Yeah, and and you you watched it right. Although although I think you you also fell asleep through. Oh, some did of I it. not mention I also <laughs> fell asleep watching Minari? But oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah. No. I I, <laughs> I fall asleep a lot, guys. I have a bad attention span. Like, but I know what happens. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's what like, happens. I, yeah. I'd say like those two movies aren't like stressful. Yeah, they're enough not to keep you awake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're, they're they're pretty. Uh, yeah, um, slice of life kind of kind of movies. Um, yeah, but but the Tagrial is sort of similar to Minari, but it's like sort of intergenerational. Mm, yeah, and you have like this. Um, I guess it, it's told in two different timelines, where you have sort of the story of the grandfather when he was young, and then he got this opportunity to go to the U.S. and how he sort of like tried to make ends meet there. Um, um, and then you have the other timeline where it's like his daughter. Um, who's trying to reconnect with sort of like the sorry did i say grandfather i meant father I'm trying to reconnect with her 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 father who's like pretty distant um who grew distant with with her over time yeah um 
and yeah, it's it's uh like plot wise. I mean, I could I could tell you the whole plot, but I but I wouldn't really be spoiling the whole like experience of the movie either, because I don't think it's it's really with the plot in this case. Um, it's more of yeah, it, it's more of the feeling that you get um when and sort of like how the relationship evolves between father and daughter. Hmm. Yeah. So, so I think there are a lot of like a lot of those movies are, like really hit. Yeah. Uh, home. Even if even if like to me, I, I I'm not a I'm not. I don't come from an immigrant family <laughs> and and like I, I can't really speak to any of the experiences that I that I've seen in those screens but it's just the sense of um sort of family that just resonates I agree. Um, regardless of of what your circumstances are and um and like I like a lot of my relatives are immigrants and you know I I do talk to them sometimes about sort of their experience um and yeah, I can see that through through these kinds of like uh, movies and, yeah. and sort of I think it's uh, a, works that are being made. Like which a I, theme which I really now, have. especially Asian diaspora in all of these like films. Um, even though, even the one recently with with Aquafina, right? The, uh, the farewell. Farewell. Yeah. Farewell. This one yeah, I didn't yeah, fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I guess it's it's a stressful. <laughs> no, it's not stressful. It's not stressful. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's, the like are... that's like my That's like that's like my barometer for your. No. For your <laughs> the listeners are gonna be like, "Oh, Mika likes stressful things." No. Um. But yeah, I think it's a like a recurring theme now, which is great. Even though I'm like fourth generation, already. Um. It's still pretty nice to see that uh, story being told. So, yeah, I mean, there's also one other one. The last one that I watched was Yellow Rose. Um, oh, yeah, Yellow Rose, right? Also yeah. on Netflix. That one's a uh, um, Filipino yeah. immigrant. So that was nice. Yeah. That was and Specifically, nice. we, we even have a term for that, like the, the TNT, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, I think that was the most, like, it was a great way to depict that struggle. Yeah. Least, uh, yeah, for Catherine, right? Like TNT means actually there are a lot of ways that tago, tago. Ta- yeah, I was thinking tago tago, which means like hiding you all the time, hiding. keep on hiding from from the uh, what's the name of the agency? Uh, what's the? Uh, I, 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 keep, I keep thinking IRS, See? but like no, that's not the, that's not them. No, the, no. Um, the uh, the, it's like their immigration, the foreign affairs, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. those guys. Right. Sorry. <laughs> just, Sorry, guys. Ungodly this, like, hour hitting just, us hard. You just like keep running away from these uh, like law enforcement people. Hence, hence the term oh. um, TNT. Um, but yeah, but it's interesting because the main character is like uh, a girl who was, I mean, she she wasn't born there, but she came to, to to the U.S. and then she fell in love with like country music, which like arguably is is more of like a uh, like white American thing. Um, and so it's it's quite interesting to to see that dynamic like play out, and then how she because like how how she decides whether or not to stay as a as a TNT or actually or actually find a way to get out of her situation. Yeah, so that was that was a pretty interesting movie. Um, and actually, the title like Yellow Rose, I was like, it's a pretty I don't know, that's a pretty like racist title for a. For a for an immigrant movie, but then it, but then it's explained. It's explained in the it's explained, yeah, it's explained, in, explained. in the movie like why why that was the case. So that was uh, <laughs> that, that was interesting, and, and it also has Leia Salonga in it. Yep, and and the lead the lead character is played by Eva Noblezada, who is like one Broadway. Of, yeah, she was on Hades Town, so I love her. And then yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if not, if anything else, at least for the at least for the singing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was awake for the singing. Singing, yes, okay, the, the guys. Singing. I was awake. Yep. And and yeah, I mean, like at, at the end of every episode, we usually um, what do you call this? Like ask our guests to recommend the song. But I think for this episode, I thought it would be interesting if, like, uh, maybe Mika, you could actually recommend. Oh a my song God. for Catherine. This, There's a song that you could oh, recommend that I could actually, I don't know, accelerate, oh. catalyze her, <laughs> get get her in the deep end as okay, fast as up, possible. Hold up, hold up, um, Are you into like heavy hitting rap um, or I like, like what's your genre? stuff that like has really cool production. Ah, ah, okay, got it. 
two or three of my friends like reposted this on Instagram because I recommended it. Uh, so try I'm try it and test it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mika's yeah, Mika's getting better and better at this. Uh like thank you, songs. thank you. But yeah, so to wrap up today's episode, our song for today is "Sensitive" by Lu Han. Uh, Lu Han is actually a former member of EXO, um, but he left the group and then his career took off in China. Um, actually, very funny. So this song has three different versions. Oh, There's a sensitive AM, a sensitive PM, and the original sensitive, right. which features. Tao or uh, Huang Zetao, who was mm-hmm. uh, right. also a former member of EXO. And yeah, but my favorite version would be Sensitive PM, uh, just because it's very uh, vibey. It's, uh, well, you'll know it when you hear it, guys. And okay, we'll play a awesome. snippet for you, but you can find it on And, and we have all the yeah. songs that's been recommended by our guests and ourselves on, on a Spotify playlist. Yes. Yeah. It's it's totally not coherent in terms of genre or vibes. Coherent but, at yeah. all. <laughs> but I guess that is what we're all about here on the show, on the weekly stand-up. So yes, um, thank you everyone for tuning into this week's episode. And thank you, of course, to our special guest, Catherine, it's, for it's, spending it's your time. It's late at night there. But, yeah. uh, no, thank you for, for having me. I feel like I've learned so much from you guys as well. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's one of those things that... Uh, it's pretty hard to have these kinds of uh, of conversations, um, especially how I guess different our circumstances are. Um, so it's really nice to be able to um, talk to uh, somebody who can share like certainly a different expe- uh, different perspective, but also st- still still relate to a lot of the things um, and, and still share a lot of of interests like you know. I guess K-pop to an extent, <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, Asianness, and, and yeah, just 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 being Asian, right? Yes, um. and that is what we're all about here on the weekly stand-up, celebrating our own Asian culture. So thanks everyone for tuning in, and without further ado, here is Mingan, sensitive PM, specifically the PM version by Lu Han. Thanks everyone. <laughs> Don't